Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A lot to get to from the weekend. Donovan Mitchell, Friday night. Man, the announcers on that broadcast were in love with him. Saturday scrimmages for Utah and BYU. Utes have found a receiver, and BYU's found a running back. And Sunday, RSL fires Mike Petke. So many things to get to. Uh, let's start with the most recent with Mike Petke. He was suspended for three weeks, fined twenty-five grand. Uh, now he's out. <laughs> That's the bottom line. After the Tigris match, he was out arguing with the referee. Got a red card. Uh, used uh, some Spanish words. One of the Spanish words he used uh, has connotations homophobic slur. Apparently continued on underneath the stadium in a tunnel outside the locker rooms, and he wrote something down and handed it to him, uh, to the ref, and uh, so he's gone. Now, partly, and in the release, they talked about the community standards and the standards of the organization and the way people are to be treated. You know, that's a factor. I don't think you can escape the fact that this is three Julys in a row he's been suspended. You know, people saying he needs a second chance. Well, this is actually kind of the third chance, so... I think that played a factor. Um, and, you know, I think there were people in the organization who liked him and didn't want to fire him. But I think the feedback they got from fans and from some of the corporate sponsors, at best it was, <clears throat> at best it was split. It may have been worse than that. I don't know that. But there's certainly a lot of angst over that. Um, and all those things come together, and, and he's out. And Freddie War is the assistant coach who's been the acting coach for the last three games. It's going to be the interim coach for the rest of the season. They got a win on the road in Sporting Kansas City on Saturday night. Sunday, they got some help with the Galaxy losing. They're now tied with the Galaxy for fifth in the West. And they're only two points out of second place. So it's a very compact race. Six teams separated by three points, second through seventh. And Portland's lurking. Nobody's clinched anything yet. Somebody, a very good team, is going to miss the playoffs. That's going to happen. Uh, now for the football. Well, the Cougars, uh, we've been told it was running back by committee, and now we're hearing Tyson Williams separated himself. So, hey, they were very excited when they got him. PK talked about that, that he talked to people in the program or really worked up when they got him. It didn't make sense that they would be that excited over someone who is going to be part of a committee. Yes, they needed depth, but the level of excitement kind of made me think, well, they think he's the guy. And after a scrimmage, they say that. Uh, and then for the Utes, Jalen Dixon, 5'9", freshman, uh, made some big plays last year, got behind people. Now he's a sophomore. And more is going to be expected of him. Can he help him as a possession receiver and have the deep speed as well? Uh, it seems like they're starting to get some uh, confidence in him off what we've been told, and we will get to that coming up uh, later in the show as well. And then there's Donovan Mitchell. Friday night, the USA team is going to go to the World Cup, which is the rebranded World Championships. It's in China, August 31st to the September 15th. So they play a, basically a scrimmage against a select team. And they dominated, and Mitchell didn't have a huge stat line. But during the broadcast, in the third quarter, if you happen to tape it, you can go back and watch it if you DVR'd it. Um, Greg Anthony was on the broadcast, and Chris Mullen was with him. And Greg Anthony said, hey, he was really impressed you. And before anyone else can answer, he said, I was talking to Steve Kerr, who's an assistant coach. The Warriors head coach is an assistant to Greg Popovich on this team. And Kerr said Donovan Mitchell has been great. And then Greg Anthony went in, and then Chris Mullen jumped in. It was a Donovan Mitchell love fest. I think what this means for the long run is, 
against what should be a pretty high level of competition. Not the best that a lot of big names aren't playing, but still a pretty high level of competition. Is he going to stand out as a star? Because if you're going to go deep in the playoffs in the West, you're going to need a star. You need a complete team, and it looks like our uh, it looks like the Jazz have put one of those together. But you also need a star. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays in this uh, uh, World World Cup. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back. We got uh, we got a lot of football to get to, and we will do that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. We're joined in studio now by Riley Jensen, football insider, former Aggie quarterback, now he's got like fifty-five different oars in the water. I don't even know how to introduce you anymore. You've got your really? whole, you got the whole uh, sports, the mental approach to sports. You got that going on. And you're speaking. You're running. You're running camps, right? So, Mountain West Elite. So you're Mount- doing a little radio with us. You're doing a little TV with Channel Two. He's a yeah. first team all whacker. <laughs> you're 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 legendary. That's the kind of drop. thank you I get for bringing you gifts this morning, Jay. Yeah, you are the that's man. the gift. Well, he's got them now, so he doesn't care. Yeah, you yeah, should have held so them as leverage. Ninety percent right. of the law is possession. Are you still coaching high school football? Yeah. So so here my my day job is sports psychology, right? So that's the got, main gig. Yeah, that's, that's the main one. gig. I've got a I've got a few different contracts, including Weber State University athletics, which is a, a very fun contract. And then, obviously, I work with individual athletes. I work with um, other sports teams. I have a few different ski teams. I actually work with the Utah Jazz sales staff uh, with Chris Barney and his staff every Tuesday morning. And then, um, you know, so that's my day job. Mountain West Elite started about eight, nine years ago with Ale Mateo and Ed Larson, so I'm still doing that. And then uh, those, those would be probably the two main things that I, that I, that I end up doing a lot. And uh, you know what? It's just nice to fall asleep at night worried about something you want to worry about. When I sold hospital beds, I'm like, how in the world am I going to sell these hospital beds to IHC? And it felt totally out of control. It totally felt meaningless. At least now when I go to sleep, you know, I'm like, hey, how can I help Johnny be a little bit less anxious when he's playing soccer? How can I help... A, B, or C. Johnny's playing soccer? Well, Ethan, Tanner, Tanner. or Sterling. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I messed, I totally messed that up. Come on now. That's That's right. That's your own gig. That's my own, that's my own deal, right? Own it. So, no, so it's, it's been really, really fun. The, the sports psychology world is fun. And, and that's led to some public speaking at different companies and stuff like that. So I treat the companies as corporate athletes, corporate coaches, and we, we apply some of the principles that go into athletics with, with the corporate culture. So, I'm having a lot of fun. I thought I'd come down and see you guys. It feels like it's been forever. I mean, I know we love baseball season and all that, but meanwhile, I'm just sitting around waiting for football to start. You know, It and won't be long now. No. In fact, it feels like it started. It's funny because my brother, my brother Crosby, he lives over in Fort Collins. He texted me the other morning. He's like, I can smell it. And I'm like, what do you mean? And, and, and there's like a distinct smell. Every single year I can smell like sagebrush or like wet grass. You hear the crickets start chirping at night because they don't chirp until about football season. You can hear the crickets. Oh. You don't even have to see a football and you know it's football season. I can well, smell it in the air. Tell your brother to stay in Fort Collins because you get over to Greeley. 
and then you end up smelling the slaughterhouse, and that's <laughs> horrific. I did he not me, know what I was hey, in for when I got sent to a Broncos camp he, over there. He's a Utah boy all the way through. He said, if I didn't live in Fort Collins, I'd, 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 I, I would die here. You know, so Fort Collins is a pretty nice town, though. I'd never been there until he lived there. Went over to visit. I kind of like that town. Not a bad place. I always enjoyed it. Yeah, I've been there many, many times. They advertise themselves as the highest per capita of college graduates. Is that what they do? Yeah. So Hewlett Packard. So they're the, the Utah State of. <laughs> no, you missed the point there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was supposed to be a positive. Oh, not a. So comparing it to Utah State is not positive. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Go Rams? Don't sugarcoat it, PK. Give it to him straight. He can handle it. Well, well, now to, we know how he feels, Aggie he fans. To, now I, we I, know how he feels. You should already know that I hate them. I know. Just go with me. Just I know how it works here, PK. You just go with whatever I say. So Two if I say, oh my I gosh, hate. you're the biggest BYU homer and you hate Utah State. I already told you that. Two things I hate. <laughs> Utah State and Alta High. You know what? You're... You're Where do you kinda, coach? You're kind of like the adversary. <laughs> you're kind of like the adversary. You don't really push against people. You just give them a nudge really, really far in the direction they're already going. Oh, you're going to be religious? I'm going to make you over-the-top religious. Over-the-top obnoxious. I like oh, you want to be a little bit of a sinner? I'm going to give you a little bit of a push really far in that direction. <laughs> so if I say you hate Utah State, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't stand those guys. <laughs> you're just like the adversary. Thank it's you. not even hard to read. Beelzebub in studio. Do you want to shake my hand? Lucifer. <laughs> DJ and Lucifer doesn't have the same ring. Sounds like a dangerous show, though. No, D- oh, DJ and Lucifer. Yeah, doesn't have the same ring as DJ and PK. It actually doesn't change. Actually it doesn't run. change the show at all. It feels exactly the same. I'm ring. a devil. What can I tell you? <laughs> there it is. Yep. He Back introduces the State. football. Yep. So when you hear Yogi Roth. Talking about the Utes in the college football playoff, you think. Wow. Big step. Right? Like, I, I, I love the Utes. And look, I talked to some of the guys that I played against in college, and they're like, man, I, I don't even know if I'd be on this roster. I don't even know if I'd be on the two deep. I might have been a walk-on here. And these guys were really good football players back in the, in the WAC, in the Mountain mm-hmm. West days for the University of Utah. And there's no question when I look at the University of Utah, there are athletes walking around on that campus and on that field that I've never seen before. But for some reason, that just feels like a big stretch to me. But here's, here's, where, here's where I'll say something. I, in 2004, I remember doing a radio show on a Saturday morning, and I was arguing with with the person across from me. He's like, no, the Utes are going to go undefeated. They're unbelievable. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to go undefeated? I don't even care if you're in, like, the Sun Belt Conference. Do you know how hard it is to go undefeated? He goes, I'm telling you, they're going undefeated. They're unreal. I'm like, no way, no way. And... I'm kind of getting that feeling just a little bit from the youths. Like, where everything in me is saying, no way. How could, how could it be like a Pac-12 championship? How could it be playoffs? There's, there's no way. There's no way. And then there's part of me that's going, God, man, they're deep. If this offensive line comes together at all, mm-hmm. they've got a running back in place. They've got a, a, you know, a, a seasoned quarterback in place. They've got, they always play good defense. They always play special teams. Then I'm like, God, maybe. Maybe, but it still feels like a little bit of a leap to me, especially the playoffs. Well, you see, the, on paper, when you look at it that way, it might be. But when you move, remove that and start in-depth thinking, it is actually an insult to the Pac-12 if their 
conference winner isn't considered for the playoff. And so you, I don't have any problem considering Utah as a potential conference winner. That's not a leap or a stretch. Yeah, I, so that's a good point. So it should be that because they are a conference winner, if you're not at least considered in August, then your conference has major issues. Yeah, but I, but I do think the Pac-12 has had issues lately. Like Utah could I agree won, with you. They could have won the Pac-12 championship last year. It was it was a terrible Pac-12 championship game. Neither team played particularly well, and we knew coming out of that game that the Pac-12 championship winner wasn't going to the playoff. And we also teams, knew it was going to lose the Rose Bowl, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a little bit of a leap for me. Not can they win the Pac-12 championship, but can they actually win the Pac-12 championship and be considered for the playoff? I mean, that means you're talking about a one last season at the worst to me. It, it, I think people, it should be. Because people aren't going to be forgiving of a Pac-12 team having more than one loss. Most likely not. See, I think really, the, the SEC is the only team that's going to get in with two losses, right? Well, I don't think anybody's going to get in with two losses. So far, nobody's gotten if, in with two he's losses. He's saying if there were if a two there team. were a team, if, if there, there were, were I would team, bet it was an SEC, SEC team. team. I would right. assume it is. So you're saying PK that the, the, the you should go ten and one, eleven and one. I think they have a possibility to do that. You have to look at the conference contenders, legitimate conference contenders. And in my mind, we've got two or three. Yogi stretched it out to five or six. I think that's too many. So I'm saying within the parameters, those teams every year should be considered as potential 11-1 teams and therefore potential playoff teams. It so happens this year Utah is that team from the South. Next year it could be somebody else. You know, Just because they right. do it this year or last year doesn't mean they're going to do it the next three or four years. This year... The whole process lead me to believe that this team should be considered to do that because of the fact that they are already considered the overwhelming, not just the mild favorite in the South, but the overwhelming favorite. And they're a strong contender to win the conference title game in December. Therefore, they should be considered as a potential playoff team in August. Now, when we get to November, as you said last year, it was obvious that nobody, whoever was going to make it out of each division, was not going to play in the playoff. We knew that then. Maybe when we get to this November, we'll know that. Although I will say, if we get to this November and we already know that neither team is a contender, I will be disappointed. I think the conference needs to have that. In November, no, right. they I, need to have a contender think, for the playoffs. I think they're in a little bit of trouble. I mean, you look at, at the way they played in the bowl games last year. They didn't play well in the bowl games. They beat up on each other. But you can't say, oh, they beat up on each other, and then they went to bowl games, and then they lost a bunch of bowl games. I do think they're in a little bit of trouble as far as the strength of the overall conference. I know, and that bothers me. Right. So they do need to bounce back, and if this is the year that they bounce back, then absolutely Utah should be considered for a, a playoff berth if they go through with one loss, and then they win the conference championship, and then they should be considered for the playoff, no question. But, God, it, it, that just feels like a little bit of a stretch for me. It, just, it feels like a little bit of a stretch. Okay, so I think the thing, though, looking from the outside in, 
and we look at the Utes up close and remember, you know, the five and seven Utes from a few years ago. They back-to-back teams couldn't go to the bowls. They haven't been able to throw the ball. But from the outside in, ignoring all that, I think people look at Utah's schedule and think it's not a very tough non-conference schedule. Sure, BYU is a rival game, but you've been beating them for a decade. So you ought to be three and zero. You're playing the bottom half of the league. That's six games. You ought to be nine and zero. You only have three games against the top half of the Pac-12. You don't play Oregon. You right. don't play Stanford. You got Washington. You got Washington State. And you got USC. If you win two of those three, you should be in the conference title game with eleven and one record. One win, twelve and one, you could be in. Yeah, a two loss conference I mean, champ in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, you're set. Every year, though, for me, and I think the thing that's been interesting since the Utes have been in the Pac-12 for me is when you watch Pac-12 teams play, there's always a head scratcher loss. Yeah. Like, oh my and so gosh, Cal's defense comes out and wrecks everything. Right, and so it's like, okay, I did not anticipate the Utes losing to Cal a couple of years ago. Right, where you're just you're just like, what? How how did that happen? You know, or you know, Washington's going through and they have some loss, and you're just going, wow, I did, I did not see that one coming at well, all. Washington lost to Cal last year, that was right? And so you're you're just sitting here every year. There's something like that, and what I'm looking for more than anything, and I'm sure I'm sure that Kyle and the coaches up there are thinking the same thing is like, look, we need to take care of business in games that we should win and that we're favored to win. Like we need to take care of business. We can't have that one off. Mm-hmm. We can't have that one week let down. And I think that the psychology of that is is tough, especially when they've kind of gone from being the hunters to the hunted, right? So this is a team right now with a big target on their back. Everybody's going, oh, you guys think you guys think you're the Pac-12 champions? Oh, you, th- you think that you can really just go through a season with a target on your back and actually win every single game? I think it's going to be tough. Do I think it's out of the realm of possibility? No, especially in the, in the terms that you described, where if they win two out of those three in that tough little stretch right there, all of a sudden, they're 11-1, and they're in the Pac-12 championship game, and then all, all you know, then then you're off to the races, and Ute fans are, are, are really having a good time. Is Ludwig going to make a difference? Because I believe you're a Ludwig guy, aren't you? I, I am. I, I've, I've had a hard time ever since he left about the way that people have talked about Ludwig. Oh, I'm sorry that you didn't like 470 yards per game. Oh, I'm sorry that you didn't like averaging 37 points a game. Oh, I'm sorry that you went 13-0 and with close wins over Oregon State and TCU that maybe you should have lost. I mean... The guy did everything he was supposed to do. And and Brian Johnson, as much as we all love him and everything, uh, he got a lot out of Brian Johnson. Sure. I mean, Brian Johnson was not a pro quarterback. He, no, he didn't no. make it anywhere. I mean, his, his accuracy was okay. His athleticism was a little bit different after his knee surgery, after his freshman year. Yeah. And yeah. I thought he was a, 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 an above-average quarterback that was taught really well by Ludwig. And after he left, everybody was like, oh, Ludwig was just average, just average. I really like him. I think that he makes a big difference for Huntley this year because I think he puts him in situations where he can succeed. I think that... There, there were some things with Troy Taylor last year where I was just scratching my head, like what, who was that play call? Why, why are you doing that right there? And and that's easy to do, right? That's Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback type stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm just talking about like an easier throw on a third down and short, where 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 you have a specific person that you're supposed to read. If this guy runs over to the tailback, you throw to the tight end. If he goes to the tight end, you throw to the tailback, and we take our we take our chances on them getting four yards for us on a third and four. And I just think that he'll be put in a lot higher percentage passing situations with Andy Ludwig than he was in the other place. And I think Andy takes a great deal of pride of coaching quarterbacks, even though if you look at Andy Ludwig's career, 
there's times where he's super run heavy. There's time where he's been pass heavy. There's there's been different types of styles that he's run. And I think that's one of the cool things about Andy Ludwig is like he can pretty much run whatever offense you want him to run. When he when he was at Wisconsin, it was sixty five percent run. When he's been at other places like Vanderbilt, it was like fifty fifty, right? And and he'll always have a good run pass balance. And I think you got to give the ball to Moss. You got to give yourself a chance to work off of that play action, and that will give Huntley um, play action pass. Passes that are higher percentage passes, and I th- I think they could win a lot of games um, just by being smart with the football this year. I I do like Ludwig, it, partly because he recruited me to Boise State. He was my first uh-huh. offer. He was my first offer out of junior college, and and he was he's a good guy. Why did you go there then? Well, Pokey Allen died two weeks later. At, right after my offer. So he saw that you offered, and look what happened. I know. Pokeyal, I rest his soul, because that guy was a good dude. But so they were, he looked and asked Ludwig, what are you doing? You offered this kid from Snow? Yeah, and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> he Pokey said, Andy, family, it's I either him or me. Family is not listening to this, because <laughs> that guy was a fantastic dude. But Ludwig was early in his coaching career. Robert and I was up there. I'll tell you a funny was, story. Yeah. I'm up on my recruiting trip, and they're like, hey, Robert, take Riley. He's a Mormon kid. you know." And, and Robert goes, I don't know where the hell the Institute is. <laughs> <laughs> so we walk over to like whatever part of the campus where the Institute is, and he's in there. Like Those guys have never seen him before. He, he dropped a hell damn and, and an ass while we were there. <laughs> you know? And, and I'm going, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> coach and I, coach and I, was hilarious on my recruiting trip. Just like, just just like he is, you know. Just, I mean, look, he, love him or hate him, you got to admit Robert's pretty authentic to who he is. I mean, he, he's not trying to change who he I'll is you, for you. I'll give you me. authentic, but I, I missed out on the hilarious part. Okay, hilarious, not always. Uh, behind the scenes, if he liked you, I, I meant unintended comedy. Like that was like I wasn't expecting him to drop a bunch of curse words around the institute <laughs> teachers at Boise But he avoided State. the big one, so there's that. Right, right. Yeah, That's he positive. Did. He did. Positive. Shut the front door. <laughs> I mean, dude, the guy, that was fun. I've, I've tried to remind him of that story a few times. He's like, oh, I didn't swear. I'm like, yeah, you did, Robert. You, you did. <laughs> so are the U receivers going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain? Do you see one of the freshmen, or maybe one of the sophomores? PK, I was trying to get him to talk him into sophomores as juniors being better, maybe Sam Samson Nakua, 32 catches, I think last year, 400-ish yards. I think I one of them has to. Or did one of the freshmen do it? Jalen Davis showed big play potential. He's a smaller guy. PK went with Dixon. Solomon. Excuse me, Jalen Dixon, yes. Smaller guy, 5'9", but deep threat. Yeah. Stretch the field. Or you like Solomon <laughs> Enos because he was hyped as all that. And certainly, I mean, when he walks across the field, he looks the part. He's six three. Yeah, if I if I had to bet on someone, I'd bet on Solomon Enos. I do like the Dixon kid. I do think he has some speed and he has like a little bit of that moxie of just you know I'm gonna get it done. Yeah. Like there's but I would not bet on some of the older guys. By the time you get to be a junior, there's and, and you're a starter, unless you're like a special guy 
I don't think there's as much improvement that goes on in a junior or senior that's already started and been yeah. Like you have to be like a special person that like knows how to motivate yourself. I mean, Tom Brady gets picked sixth in the NFL 100 thing, and he gets a three year deal. I mean, that guy's probably going to play till he's 70 now because he, he finds ways to like tick himself off. Jerry Rice was constantly motivating himself and feeling miffed because something happened. They draft they drafted a wide receiver in the fourth round. I can't believe you're trying to replace me. I mean, they just manufacture manufactured this 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 will to be good but i think it's really really hard especially for young kids once they've already played to show significant difference between their junior well, and senior year i think younger guys have a chance to you read that herm edwards quote didn't you which one yeah. there are many herm edwards if quotes. there's a tie oh yeah if there's a tie it goes to the young guy oh yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a problem and it's not with the freshman right so it's I mean that's a that's a very typical quote. I mean when you're when you're a junior or senior, you better leave no doubt, or else you're not going to start. Right? You have to leave no doubt because they're they're looking at a freshman or a sophomore as like, dude, we have this guy for three more years, two more years, and if you're equal, that guy's going in. And so yeah, that's very very typical of college. I mean, there's a lot of good Herm Herm Edwards coaches or quotes out there that I love. Um, That one is very typical of college coaches though. And but I do feel like your growth in college happens between your freshman and junior year. Like you'll have pretty huge growth, significant growth between freshman and sophomore. Maybe not quite as much growth between your sophomore and junior year, and then your junior and senior year, it might be negligible. On so you think one of the so someone who's a Ute sophomore receiver last year might. Yeah, or a freshman. Might have a, a big step up to a junior year. You'll give them that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think junior. And that'd be Enos. Junior to senior year is tougher. But somebody's got to step up at the wide receiver mark. And, and I heard your segment where you guys were talking, and and it, it's so true uh, with Covey. He's marked. I, I thought the best point that you brought up, PK, is I can hit this guy and there's no risk of me hurting myself. Right. So I can really go all out on a hit on him. Now, if he catches the ball in space, you can't go all out because you're just trying to hang on to wherever you can catch a piece of him. But if it's one of those plays where it's a little quick out and I can dial him in, and I, I'm not going to get hurt hitting him. Right. And I think that's a... I thought that was an interesting point because I, I was thinking about it in terms of like a football player. Like, there is that question of if I blow this guy up, am I going to hurt myself sure. every once in a while? And especially now with the new rules, because you can't blow a guy up with a helmet, which I, I, I know this sounds like a, a little bit different than the whole concussion argument and everything, but when you could hit with a helmet and if you hit with your face mask and it, it kind of locks your neck up, you could get a big blow on somebody and it really didn't hurt you that bad. Right, like, yeah, and and you could hit him in the shoulder, and it would like really blow him up. Well, now you have to go shoulder to shoulder, and uh, I'm sorry, but shoulder pads are probably the worst padding that have to do with football. Right, when you really try and take someone out with your shoulder, you could really do damage to your shoulder. So some of these big hits where these guys are going with shoulders, I'm like, that guy's a brave dude. So it has to cross their mind a little bit when they want to get a big hit on somebody, whether they're going to hurt a shoulder, whether they're going to hurt themselves, but they don't have that question mark when they're hitting Covey. And I thought I thought that was an interesting point because. Yeah, you can kind of dial it up on him if it's a catch and hit type of thing because because you're not going to get hurt. All right, we're talking Cougars and Aggies with Riley coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Tune into the Tour of Utah podcast on 1280thezone.com. The podcast includes tips for how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the Tour of Utah in action. DJ PK and Riley Jensen in studio. We just spent a segment talking about the Utes. Your Aggies, you mentioned you didn't like the wide receivers. Obviously, they've got uh, nine starters gone on offense. You okay with the O-line, or are they going to have a talented quarterback who's running for his life? I feel pretty good about the O-line. I think I think they'll be physical up front. I I just worry about Utah State in the sense that they had really good receivers last year that made big plays, and I think we saw that from the Michigan State game on, where guys could catch the ball above their head. And you know, one of the things that I'm realizing as I've been in coaching for a while now is that a, a guy that's over six two that can really catch the ball above his head is is pretty rare. And, and it seems like that should be the opposite, right? It seems like any guy that has a basketball bro, uh, background, you'd be like, oh, hey, just go up and catch it like a rebound. But those guys all go up and then they try and catch it in their chest, you know, or they go up and they don't really extend their arms. And you're just like, man, the real talented guy that can go up and catch that ball and high point the ball like a basketball player is really rare. And they had one last year. Um, and, and he could go to him in the red zone and in tight spots. I think to have the season that he had last year is going to be a little bit more difficult. I think their run game's got to be a little bit more established, and he's going to have to get some more play action throws. They have some good receivers up there, but they're that, that smaller type. They're that five nine to five eleven guys that can that can run, but they're they're going to get beat up a little bit. It's going to be tough to just throw the ball up in the red zone and get the touchdowns like they did last year. I think I think the big key for Utah State in the red zone is going to be the tight end out of Lehigh, uh, Carson Terrell. And if he can do some of the things that Dax Raymond was able to do for them, then maybe he replaces some of those catches from the wide receivers. Well, he's expected to be to have a significant role. Well, I mean, he's a kid, and and I was really surprised because he had a legitimate offer from UCLA and turned it down to go to U, to, to Utah State. He's just kind of a local kid that. Isn't really into fancy things. I mean, it was a legitimate offer to UCLA. He had big time offers. He's a he's a very good tight end. Early in his career, he's had a few cases of the dropsies here and there when he's gotten nervous. But if he can if he can fill that role, and if he, then then I think he could be a key to the red zone for Utah State. Don't you just hate the dropsies? <laughs> as long as it's not like biblical, where you have a case of the dropsy. Ah, right. But that the dropsies. Are uh, are not fun for anybody. You look at these teams and the lack of playmaking, or the question of whether they'll have playmaking, can extend across the board because we can say the same things about BYU. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the difference between Utah State and I think the difference between University of Utah though is they do have a playmaker at running back. I do I do think Moss is a playmaker. I do think that they have two or three running backs up at Utah State that can be playmakers. From all reports I'm hearing that Jalen Warren out of East High School is playing really well. They're really liking the way Riley Burt's playing and then I just spaced the guy who had like nine hundred yards rushing right. from yeah. And and 
and I think those guys are playmakers. You get the ball to them in a screen game. You get them in the zone running game, the power running game. Those guys can make plays. I think Moss can make plays. The question mark with me at BYU is, is do you have a running back that can make plays? Because we can make the argument all the way across the board at tight end and wide receiver in the state of Utah. Like, who's going to step up and be the playmaker? How good can Wilson, the quarterback, make those other guys look, though, down in Provo? Well, I think I think he's already shown that he can make some of those guys look good. Right. That's I mean, I, I I think he does some things, but but then you could make the argument that Huntley and Love can also make some of those guys look good. I I do sure. think that the receivers will look better than than maybe what they are at all three programs. The question is, are those receivers going to be able to make the quarterback look? as good as he can be because they can go over the top yeah. and make a big catch, right? So I well, think the question isn't, are the receivers going to play good to above average? I think they will because the quarterbacks are pretty good here in the state. But are they going to play excellent because they are excellent receivers and make these – like when I played with Kevin Curtis, I'm, I'm, I had my best year ever. I thought I was the stuff. I thought I was an amazing quarterback. I went up to Utah State, a bunch of guys running four six forties, and all of a sudden I realized like I'm maybe not as good a quarterback as I thought. It was really nice to throw an out and up to Kevin Curtis, and he just outruns people and makes unbelievable catches. And I had an unbelievable season, my best season ever as a college football player down at Snow College. And really, I kind of look back at it and I go, oh, I had, a, had an NFL I had wide a receiver, receiver to throw to, <laughs> right? And then my fullback started at Cal. My tight end went to the University of Utah. My other receiver played in the SEC for Kentucky, right? And so I'm going, uh, maybe I wasn't that good. I mean, look, everybody has to have a healthy dose of ego to play that position of quarterback. But when you have great guys around you, that's when unbelievable seasons happen for quarterbacks. So the answer to that, are the receivers going to make the quarterbacks look good? We're going on a largely a... That's probably a little overstated, but largely a decade where the answer is no. It's almost like while football in the state has progressed at the high school and college level, the receiver play has gone backwards. Probably nowhere more startlingly than the University of Utah. Probably less so for BYU, but still somewhat for BYU. And, and I think the Aggies, maybe they do get a pass on this. They probably had their best receivers, although maybe not some of the level of Curtis, so maybe a little bit backwards for them. I mean, you think about it. The Utes, when they were in the whack in the 90s, had NFL receivers. Right. They have NFL receiver now? Well, so I do have a little bit of a theory on this. Okay. So I do feel like... So, I mean, you look at Kalani, you look at Kyle, you look at Gary, they're all University of Utah guys. They're uh-huh. kind of that University of Utah tree. There has not been, and this is not, and believe it or not, this is not a criticism of Kyle, but there is no emphasis on the quarterback position in his philosophy. Okay, he does but, not care yes. about that position. He cares about defense and special teams. So let, let, me, let me get to my point here. My point is this. If you're at Utah State, and you're at BYU, and you're at University of Utah, and you don't recruit a big trigger man, or you don't think that that's a big deal for you to be able to win games. Because to be honest with you, Kyle's won 10 games without a quarterback. He's he's done it. He's showed that whether he's in the WAC or the Mountain West or whether he's in the Pac-12, he can win games without a quarterback. And so de-emphasizing that position has a direct effect on what kind of wide receivers come into the program. I get all of that. But they all, all those guys, to one degree or another, 
can trace them back to Ron McBride. Mac was starting walk-on quarterbacks. Mac was starting a four-year starter who got worse every year, and they still had NFL receivers. Dyson was an NFL receiver. Steve Smith was an NFL receiver. That's off the top of my head. I'm probably forgetting somebody else who was in for you know a year or two. Right, and and I listen. I'll tell you this about Ron McBride: if there's anybody who knew how to recruit, it was Ron McBride. I mean, that that's one of the best recruiters that's ever come anywhere near this state. Um, I don't think that he actually like let them take the cap off. Like, I, I, I mean, that. Steve Smith wasn't even close to as good here as he was in the NFL. Part of that was you look at some right. of the running backs; yeah. they were right. they were okay here. They were unbelievable in the NFL, right? And so. Um, I do think he was an unbelievable recruiter. So if you want to lay that on him, like you're not as good a recruiter as Ron McBride, I think they'd all probably say, yeah, he was a good recruiter. But it's just weird that the football's gotten better and the wide receiver position's gotten worse. Well, because because when you de-emphasize the quarterback position and the yeah. throwing the ball, I agree turnovers go down. Mm-hmm. Turnovers go down. You don't have to play unbelievable offense to win with the style of play that these guys are recruiting and the style of play that these guys are playing. I mean, if you look at the great Utah State teams, the great BYU teams, and the great Utah teams as of late, it's great defense, it's great special teams, it's pretty good offense. Uh, I would say more like game manager and efficient offense more than it is like Urban Meyer's like, oh my gosh, we're going to do a hitch and pitch in the Fiesta Bowl (laughs) type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we're going to get the zone game running. We're going to have some nice extended handoffs here with Chucky Keaton. He's going to beat you with his feet every once in a while. And we're going to play really good defense. And so, so when that is the emphasis of a team, why would a big time wide receiver come to Utah where they act like it's the freaking North Pole when they recruit against you? I mean, you listen to UCLA and USC. Talk down. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, you might as well think that we're literally in like northern Canada playing for the Manitoba Knights or whatever it is. You know, I mean, seriously, they act like they act like, oh, my gosh, the Arctic tundra of Utah. Why would you go there? And some of the guys down there are like, oh, it is. It's cold up there. And then they come up for a recruiting trip in February and it's cold. Yeah. So it's I, I, I do think there's some challenges to recruiting the speed positions to the state of Utah, mostly because of the recruiting that goes on against them. Right. I. I mean, that's the only way I can think of it. But if there was a little bit more emphasis on offense at any one of these three teams, I think you would see a few more that would be going to the NFL. How good do you think Zach Wilson could be this year? Oh, I think he can be really good. Me too. He's got – it's interesting because I've coached him a few times. Super respectful. He's super coachable, super hungry to learn, super hungry to get better. But he also has that – that it factor that it's not arrogance but there's a there's an over the top confidence that even if he has a bad game let's just say he has a bad game against the Utes there's no question that in his mind the next game he's going to throw for 300 like he just has this 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 attitude this moxie this this thought process of like like most quarterbacks and and I and and this isn't scientific by any means, but I think we're a little bit of an insecure bunch. And I I, I know I come across like this confident guy that like has it all together or whatever. But I'm I'm I still have cobwebs from playing football where I'll wake up at five fifty five in the morning thinking I'm late 
and I'm not going to make it to like a morning workout. And that's going to mean my position. That's going to mean leadership. That's going to mean a lot of things to my coaches. And I'm going to lose my position. And I'm 45 years old, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm late. I can't. Oh no. Like, you know, there's like this. There's always this thought as a quarterback that your position could be taken at any time, that they're recruiting someone to take your position, that the guy behind you they're being nice to because he's taking your position. There's this this insecurity playing quarterback. I don't feel like Zach has any of that. I mean, they were loving Jaron Jaron Hall up and talking about how amazing an athlete he is and he's going and playing spring ball and then catching baseballs off the wall and he's the next Bo Jackson quarterback and I don't even think it phased Zach. I think Zach said, okay, well, keep catching fly blows, bro, because I'm the freaking starter. And I I don't even think he cares. Like, it doesn't even phase him. And there's 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 a mental toughness, a moxie about him, whatever you want to call it, that like, yeah, uh, go ahead, Jaron, play awesome this spring. Thanks. You're going to be really good for our program when I leave. <laughs> I, I think that's how he feels. And I don't think that there's any question that he thinks he's going to the NFL, which in a lot of ways – you want a quarterback that acts like that. And there's guys on teams that act like they don't want a cocky quarterback. They don't want the guy that talks a little smack and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, I can't stand him. And on the defensive side of the ball, they're like, oh, my gosh, Zach Wilson, he's such a jerk. Blow, whatever they're saying. And then deep down they're like, that's my guy, dude. I'm glad he's on my team. Because they they, they like his confidence. and And I think he's got – I don't know if it's his parenting. I don't know where it comes from, but there's a certain – there's a certain factor to him that makes me a believer. And I know I know Utah fans are like driving off the road right now. Well, Tyler Huntley's so good and blah, blah, blah. And all these stats were just against like Hawaii and a bunch of nobodies, whatever. I'm just telling you he's a good quarterback. And, he, and he's got some it factor to him that we haven't seen at BYU in quite a while. Can you sort out the BYU running back spot to bring him in the grad transfer from South Carolina? Tyson Williams, Lapini Katoa's back. Maybe you like somebody else. Maybe it is running back by committee. I think it's going to be running back by committee, and I don't think you're going to see anybody rush for more than like 600 or 700 yards. But I, it's interesting because everybody wants to talk about this South Carolina transfer, right? And then every time you see the coaches interviewed, they're like, yeah, but Pini Katoa has had a really, really good offseason. Yeah, but Pini Katoa can catch the ball out of the – yeah, but Pini Katoa – I feel like it's Pini Katoa. Even though everybody's going, man, you should see this guy. He looks like Tarzan. He looks like an SEC running back. He can do this. He can do that and the other – just my gut feeling reading through the lines is that it's going to be Pina Katoa. And if it is, I think he's a great athlete, but I think he's along the lines of like some of the old BYU greats like Peter Tui Pelotu. You're talking about like Matt Bellini. I think he's a guy that can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield, make some good runs for you, but he's more of like a, a draw trap and a zone read type running back than he is like we're just going to line it up in the eye like Harvey Unga and we're going to pound the rock at you. I don't feel like he's that type of right. running back. How are the in-state schools doing with the top high school kids this year? Um, well, that, that's that's a little bit of a deceiving question. The, the Noah Sewell kid out of Orem has basically got every offer in the world. I mean, he has Clemson, he has Alabama, he has Ohio State, he has Utah. I mean, so when you say how are they doing with the local kids, I, I don't get the feeling that he's going in-state. Like, I think he's going to go to one of those big schools, and I think he's going to make – a splash, but when it goes to everybody else besides that, I think I think the in-state schools are doing a really good job. In fact, um, you know, with Gary Anderson back at Utah State, with with Kalani, with Kyle, and his assistant coaches, those are all really good recruiters that have really really good ties in state, and I, and I think that 
there hasn't been as much murmuring from high school coaches as I've heard in the past, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. God, that school didn't even come by. Just because I don't have any players doesn't mean I can't help them out or tell them what's going on. And I have a ninth grader that's going to be a big-time guy, and I could have got him on the radar. And they, You know, usually that's what you'll get from a high school coach. Like, God, I, he didn't even come by, you know. But I feel like they're all they're all making their touches and they're all going to where they need to go to get the recruiting done. All right, Riley, as always, we love talking a little football with you. Thanks you for coming. The, there's Riley Jensen in studio with us to kick off uh, his coverage of the. He's, he joins us every week. Uh, usually, it's on Wednesdays uh, as the season gets going, and so we'll have a weekly bit with him. And it's always fun to have him in talking Utes and Cougars and Aggies as a high school coach and a guy who runs camps. Uh, he has access to a lot of college coaches. Coaches who would never speak to us will speak to him because he can be helpful in the recruiting process. So uh, Riley Riley knows quite a bit, and he gets this from some pretty good sources. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we had a weekend full of sports. What is trending? All the big stories. We'll get to them next. Stay with us.